0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: Now a show that's going to give you the truth about the biggest epidemic of our times. We're all a little crazy.
2: Welcome to another We're All a Little Crazy podcast. I'm your host, Darren Ravelle, along with Eric Houston and Theo Fleury. We are back for another week, and it is another week where mental health is not only in the forefront it is the topic uh simone biles uh in the uh in the team competition uh does her first exercise doesn't feel it's right walks off the mat and basically says i can't do it u.s wins silver lot of people confused about mental health as they always are uh the disconnect that we always talk about between mental health and physical health and automatically start assuming that simone biles is just going to be in the individual competition come back and win gold and defend her title then she does not and i think then things start changing a little bit and then she doesn't do anything for the rest of the olympics uh, we've had so much talk about, you know, mental health and people stepping away with Naomi Osaka. We've talked about that, but Simone Biles kind of adding to that, because, and because and a complexity uh, that I think we don't really pay attention to is that unlike Naomi Osaka, who plays at Wimbledon uh, and doesn't doesn't decide to play at Wimbledon, and that's just one major part of the Olympics is both both a mental and physical toll, the idea that you're waiting four or five years to play or participate for one moment. Uh, And so I think there was a little bit more confusion there, a little bit more doubters there. But the fact that Simone Biles, who is the number one star heading into the games, had what she had, felt what she did, and then didn't do anything more in the Olympics, I think has lent credence to how serious it is. And now I'm going to bring in Eric, who will bring in our guest today.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just giving a little bit more color to what you just shared. So when um, Simone did decide uh, to pull out with her team after that first event, that was after a qualifying round where we saw some uncharacteristic um, faults and errors that we don't typically see from a Simone Biles. And something that I think is a really interesting piece to this story, because we had a lot of people watch that, And then see those faults and say, hmm, maybe Simone's pulling out now and choosing to pull out because she didn't perform well. And she doesn't like that she didn't perform well. And that makes her look bad. But I think those of us who are in the mental health space and study this stuff, as Darren was talking about, competition is as much mental as it is physical, might have a different take on what was going on in that qualifying round and how that might have actually foreshadowed what happened In the finals. And so, in thinking about who'd be the perfect guest for this particular episode, obviously, this being this cross section between current events and mental health, you know, I've become friendly first on Instagram and then over phone and now just cause related in general uh, with a woman by the name of Samantha Arsenal Livingstone. And uh, she won gold as a member of the four by 200 freestyle. Um, in the 2000 Sydney Olympics for the U S and okay. You could have an Olympia, an Olympian on to talk about what it's like to be an Olympian and we will. But what was really interesting here was swimming is similar to gymnastics in that in her case, there was a team sport, right? There's four of them swimming for this medal that they were winning, but they have individual legs that they need to swim in there. So I think that dynamic is interesting. But something that we're also going to get into with Samantha, I was talking about this with Theo before we got on the call, is when our mental health goes south, and let me be frank about this, we don't choose when it goes south. This is another thing we're going to go into on this. I think there are certain sports that lend themselves to be able to, quote, push through in a different way than we can with a sport like gymnastics. And I think that's a very important nuance that a lot of people aren't talking about here. Um, so first off, Samantha, welcome to the show. It's amazing to have you and really excited to have this conversation.
3: And so I'm so grateful. I've been, yeah, I've been looking forward to this and I really enjoy our conversations that we've had. So I'm pumped to dive deeper today.
1: So great. And, and, and you know, What Sam's referring to is having this similar philosophy as athletes, as former athletes, as people who are now in the space of working with high performance athletes, youth athletes, people in general, not just necessarily athletes, but this idea that mental health lives across this continuum and that everyone is impacted to some degree. So, Sam, if you wouldn't mind, you know, this gets talked about in. Documentaries like the Weight of Gold, um, that um, some of that you're familiar with, Michael Phelps was in. Can you talk a little bit about when you are this high performance athlete before you ever get to an Olympics and and you're competing in Olympic Games, what is the life? Of someone who is training to become an, an Olympic athlete like and I know that we could probably spend an entire podcast talking about that. <laughs> I think that's that's a, a good first question for people to understand how much goes into your training.
3: Mm. So I can <clears throat> I think one thing we want to be careful of, and we I think we're we we share this philosophy is that we can speak to so much generally, and then it really comes down to the individual journey, right? So I can speak to my journey and what that was like and and then, you know, you have conversations once you arrive there and you find the similarities. So for me, it was, you know, if I if I, you know, pull back even two, three years prior to making the Olympic team. Now, I was a teenager, so I was 18. So if you stretch that back. I'm 15 years old and I'm starting to, you know, come on to the national scene. And the year before the Olympics was training upwards of seven hours a day. So you get up at, you know, four, I'm up at 3.40 in the morning and then I'm in the water by 4.45 training for two hours, sometimes a little extra because I, I made the decision as after I graduated high school, I had this opportunity to stay with my club coach and train or go off to college on a full ride, and I chose to keep everything I could constant. So that, you talk about what's the, psych, the psyche. My friends all left to go to school, and I'm home now training with the kids that you know were younger than me. And so they would go off to school in the morning time, and I would sometimes put in an extra hour, get out, fuel myself, and then head to the gym for an hour or two hours to do my dry land and my strength and conditioning work. it would be a little bit of rest and then back at it in the afternoons. And so in the morning time, actually, for that entire year leading up to trials, I was training two times a week in the morning completely by myself. And so that was, you know, the enduring and being alone, especially, in that sport of swimming and I think to some degree in gymnastics though I've never competed in gymnastics but when you're alone with yourself you spend a lot of time alone with yourself right you're not witnessing my kids play team sports it's just a different dynamic so a lot of especially in the pool head, head in the water a lot of time with your thoughts and so that continued you know that that the training and the hours and the and the volume in the water continued and it ramped up and then of course as we got closer to, to trials started to peel back a bit but it
1: was so with with respect to school because you talk you're talking about three years prior training leading Mm -hmm. up to then competing at you said 18 years old right Mm -hmm. so so you're giving the number of hours that you're training and i'm looking (laughs) at theo as as i'm saying this because he was talking about you know how sometimes you don't go to college right when 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 you're a a hockey player and and your life is the sport Mm -hmm. so How did school come into play at all with you? Right.
3: (laughs) I know. And so, here, and so another layer to this is I graduated, you know, I was top three in my class out of high school. So, school was super important to me. And then to forego college. So, my sole focus was swimming and to keep a tiny semblance of balance, if you call it that, I don't know, we can get into that word. I did take community college courses because I felt like I needed something other than swimming to have in my life. And so I also worked, I worked a part-time job at a, a restaurant, so I had that component. And then I did my school part-time at a community college before I then transferred, you know, transferred those credits over when I arrived at school. But yeah, it was really, I mean, it was just headed in. Prior to that, as a high school student, you know, I was swimming in the morning, going to school, swimming in the afternoons, and so the, the real ramp up for that intense training was that was a full year before where I wasn't in full-time school.
1: And now this is this is a question I've never asked you. Um, so, f- be as comfortable or as uncomfortable as you'd like in terms of answering this question. But you're you're, you're so focused during that those teen years on making the Olympic team. Are you realizing at all? And is there anything else going on in your personal life, relationships, people in your family passing away? You know, we have grandparents who weren't teenagers, things like that. That maybe you looking back on it can say, wow, I was so focused on being the best athlete I could. So much of my attention was there that these other things that were going on on my life were things I maybe didn't give as much attention to.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. And I think that I've had to work through that healing and forgive myself, to be honest, because it was this bulldozing you know, like literally swimming in my own lane, but just the blinders on and full bore. And I, you know, I think that I I did have a serious relationship actually at that time. And, you know, that was an anchoring space for me, especially as I got to the village and had that grounding point. But besides that, it was just that relationship. And then, you know, missing family events, missing. I remember that our little cohort of high school seniors, like our group we decided we were gonna play in the powder puff game because I I think if I was born a different gender, I probably would have played football, (laughs) maybe linebacker. It was just my personality. And um, so we decided to skip practice and we got in so much trouble. So like that one thing that we wanted to do that was like part of this world. So yeah, it's a very, you know, you ask yourself and I think I look back and say, at what cost? And the cost, there is a cost. There's a cost to all of our choices. And so, would I do it differently? There are definitely things I would do differently. You know, when it comes to those sacrifices, I don't, I, we could get into it on that. But yeah, I think you give up a lot. You do. You give up a lot. And sometimes you look back and go, oh, wow, well, I wish I'd handled that differently. Yeah. yeah.
2: S- Sam, <laughs> let me ask you this uh, uh, yeah. the, the, the idea that uh, you are training four years for moments is, mm-hmm. is uh, crazy. Uh, it's insane. The idea that's what makes the Olympics watchable to people, right? Like I don't care normally about swimming, but guess what? If you're to tell me that these people train for four years for this moment, I'm interested. I, I would be interested in a toad race if toads trained four years for one moment. So, um, my, my question is, it is a mental insaneness, the idea of it, but did you ever train mentally?
3: That's a great question. So I, not in any formal way, but my coach stumbled upon this work from the Australian sport Institute and would print out like this one email was like, remember, dial up. Like that's what we're talking about that time period. So yeah, yeah. He'd print out these, (laughs) (laughs) these visualization exercises. And so in that way, um, I did do those. And I did those. I, I ate that up. Anything that he could give me that would train my mind in that way, but never in a formal way. Right. And that,
1: yeah, yeah. And processing, and this is where I want to bring Theo into the into the conversation, is, you know, where I was going with that question, Sam, is, yes, you you, you by choosing to train for the Olympics, you're forgoing some of the things that other people your age are doing. But I also think... Athletes are a great microcosm for anyone who has a great focus on anything that we bulldoze through things and we don't allow ourselves to process. So I want to bring it that, you know, into a center place because people might say, well, I didn't train for the Olympics it's not about just training for the Olympics. This is a hyper example of that, but you know, Theo, if you could talk a little about like, cause you work with people all the time, it doesn't matter if they're an athlete or not, but you did it as an athlete yourself. Yeah. And it's like, when we put, it's the reason I fell apart when I did, when I was 35 years old, because I was so focused on sports and being a sports executive and, 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 and being a top in the industry that way and growing my career All the other things that i needed to work on as a person and all the stuff from my past my baggage and the trauma that i experienced i didn't work on it so theo can you add there a little bit
0: well i was reflecting on what samantha was saying and it's like it's almost like a lot of athletes have a form of ocd in some sort of way right you know when you think about you're that focused, you're that ritualistic, you're that, and then when you get out of that, then who am I, right? Who am I? So it's a form of experiencing trauma, right? Is being that focused, that, you know, driven, all that is, is, is a part of it, right? So in, you know, I can tell you, and and not too many people know this, but the, at the morning before the gold medal game in Salt Lake City, uh, you know, I had a meltdown and I was like, I can't play because I did because I wasn't in the, you know, in the space and and my, my, my whole entire world was imploding at the time, you know, and I was one of those controversial picks, you know, because everybody thought I was going to melt down at the Olympics and cause, you know, all kinds of whatever. And thank God uh, we had a uh, sports psychologist because I grabbed her right out of the the cafeteria in the in the village and I said I, I got to talk to you right now. And she sort of talked me off the ledge, and you know I was able to get to the rink and you know I actually probably played one of the best games I ever played in my whole entire life. But you know leading up to it, I wasn't feeling great about you know what was happening. And, uh,
1: And I think, Theo, I I think you're playing great there is what we're going to touch on in a little bit because people might hear that and go, well, then why couldn't Simone just talk to a psychologist? Uh, You know, there's more psychologists now than there ever were back when Theo was there. You know, why can we play? I I think there is an interesting difference between sports. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you know, we talk about a cumulative trauma. Yes. Right? And so, uh, you know, when I got to New York – To play for the Rangers, that's when shit hit the fan, right? That's when all of my trauma came to a head, because that's when my mental illness showed up. Right? I was having panic attacks. I was, you know, depressed. I had concussion issues. All this stuff just happened to just you know all show up at, at the same time. And you know, when I was watching the Simone stuff, I was like, this makes perfect sense because. Larry Nasser, you know, all all this stuff it just accumulates and then you know, and then your nervous system is maxed out and you can't focus, you can't think, you know, you're basically just surviving day to day. And so, you know, and then to see all of the negative comments about, you know, her decision uh, you know, was really disappointing, you know, because to me uh you know we we took about 10 steps back in the mental health space
2: but but predictable theo but predictable but no guys guys like clay travis guy, guys like clay travis saying that usa gymnastics who enabled larry nasser uh that that they should come in and say that simone should not be able to uh, be part of the individual competition like, like get out of here well and mean, comparing just, just it, think and about con- something
1: Darren, comparing what she did to Scottie Pippen's choice after playing an entire playoff game and his number not getting called by Phil Jackson to sit out a play, people were then saying because of Clay Travis's comments, oh, this is a choice this person made, right? This is a choice Simone made. And we're going to get into that piece because I think where we're building here is a really interesting narrative. So, In the
0: the mental health space, what Simone did is called self-care.
1: Oh, absolutely. I don't even I think before we even get into the intricacies of what happened on that particular day, you brought up an important point because there was a Larry Nassar situation, which is right now there's one hundred and fifty girls, women from USA Gymnastics who are part of, you know, the accusations and 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 what happened, um, unfortunately, with uh, Larry Nassar and the sexual abuse and so sam as someone who competed for the usa right and and an entity that is usa swimming and as opposed to usa gymnastics could you talk a little bit about if because i'm thinking about this if i work for an organization right the suns the devils the panthers the who you know the nba league office whoever i work for at the time and there was even one person at that organization that did something awful to me and I've never been sexually abused, but I can't imagine anything that's really much worse than that being taken advantage in that way. To have to compete and knowing that yes, you're representing your country, but you're also representing this entity that did not protect you and your teammates and your friends and your peers, how much more difficult that would have been. And as Theo talks about cumulative trauma, You know, because I think chronologically what we're building up here is what ended up happening on that day. So, Sam, you talk a little bit about how that might have played in if that was a part of the history of going into then competing in the 2000 Olympics?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that with
1: if what was the his part of the history well if if usa swimming had done something right, and right. I, I don't want to put words or 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 ideas right into into what might have happened ever with usa swimming but let's say they made a controversial decision that your you and your fellow teammates didn't agree with or one of the executives treated you all really poorly and talked down mm-hmm. to you and verbally abused or whatever mm-hmm. just that, that there was this bad feeling towards the organization going into the Olympics. Yes how that might've impacted your, your focus, your attention, your desire, your commitment.
3: I can so I can, I can relate. So as someone that survived and, and is still, you know, healed from trauma and also is healing from trauma, I, when I saw the date lineup and so someone, a woman that I follow who's an advocate and a supporter, a legal advocate for the gymnast. And she said, she shared a date, the 25th of July in the 20, I think it was 2018 and there was like a pivotal important date. And I know as an as someone that navigates trauma, like anniversaries are triggering for me, right? And so never mind that you're now representing and putting on like the the one of the coolest things was opening and unboxing all the team USA gear. Like you dream of this as a kid. You dream of wearing the USA gear and being able to represent your country. And so then to have navigated something that then becomes, and I can't speak for her, but but I can imagine and empathize that that then becomes triggering, in of itself. Because, I mean, for me it was like, even like a helicopter, right, related to the hospital experience with my daughter and what she went through with her open heart surgery. Just a helicopter in the sky, and I, my body and my nervous system would be reacting. So never mind something that you, literally work. We talk about all those hours you work all your life for this moment to be able to do this thing, and then you, you're able to do it. And there's this, such a high cost that's then hidden and buried and and in the shame that is around that. And so then you speak about it and there's this, you know, shining a light on the shame, and then you you put that back on. I can only imagine um, you know, it's it, how hard it would be to compartmentalize truly, to be able to then say, okay, and to reframe and to to do that healing work. And so yeah, I just it's so layered in the fact that she's the sole survivor right she's the one that's there like still competing on that team
1: can you can you su- explain that to everyone because i think that's an important point when you say sole survivor because obviously there are others who survive per se Correct. but in terms of competing competing, still
3: competing. right yeah. she's and- now
1: competing and no one else that would part of those 150 are on this right. team now in 2021 competing in tokyo
3: yeah, and she said, her quote, that she felt an obligation to keep going, right, and to represent those that have been so deeply hurt. So I think that that, you know, you add to, it's the compound, it's what Theo's talking about, like the compounding layers, and and then we can't, you know, we can't begin to understand someone's circuitry, right, and what is their tipping point, what is their edge, and what they need to do, and what boundaries look like for them, right, so that, but that idea of putting on the USA gear, and, you know, you bring in USA Swimming, and, There's also abuse that's happened there that's been covered up. You know, I think the NGBs and the USOPC, like I experienced abuse as an athlete from my coaches. Um, It was verbal and it was something that as the gymnasts were coming forward and were speaking, I also realized, you know, at the time was 36 years old going, oh my gosh, I experienced abuse. Like I've never in my life before used that language. So, you know, yeah, it's
1: because you're a child at the time and you yeah. don't necessarily know Theo shares this with me all the time about abuse. You you know, the abusers groom the abused and 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 you as a child don't necessarily know how to recognize it. And and so for people who say, how could you let that happen? Right. It's you're not letting that happen. And, and Sam, candidly, as you could tell, by the way, I was asking the question, I didn't know the history with USA Swimming. Right. I was giving you a scenario and here not hey, surprisingly every,
0: every kids organization has had a scandal because abusers that's where they hang out that's where they hang out right so yeah. you know
1: and 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 a piece of this story now as we build is what Simone has shared is that it took her a while to open up to her mother about what happened and for those of us who are trauma survivors, which by the way, I believe is everyone in the world, right? Everyone's been through something, but there's different amounts and different times and different ways that when she opened up, because we can really relate to this of when you finally kind of, you know, open up the jar, if we want to call it that, or the bottle's been shaken and and, and there's carbonation and you open up the, the you screw up on the top and, and it explodes out is she tells her mom and then she describes this period of depression where she's in a room and she can't leave a room. How many people know that about Simone Biles when they're watching her perform on stage in Tokyo? Maybe they've heard of the Larry Nassar thing, but I don't think many people know that here's a young girl who, young girl, young woman, who we see doing these beautiful you know, moves on, on stage, I guess is, is exactly what it is, it's on stage,
2: is is she eric 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 she's seen as the most confident the most confident person in among the most confident people in the world that's what she's seen as and so you have that disconnect that you always have with how could that person have died by suicide like he was the happiest person or or you know how could the most confident person you know not want to be out or I thought she was the best and had always conquered this all. That is part of the challenge. Like, that's what we're all talking about here. I mean, that's the the fact that if you're swimming or you're doing another sport, you might be able to get through, but not win, the dizziness, what's caused by anxiety. In gymnastics, it's nearly impossible given the balance required
1: we're going to get to that Darren because because I think it's more than dizziness right and 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 the neural connection the neurobiology what we're going to get into that's an important piece of this and and I think that that people again looking at this as a choice are not understanding the the bigger picture so you know Sam you've taken us through the preparation going into the olympics now take us you arrive at the olympic village right and and the world is looking at you your country is expecting you to perform what does that feel like <laughs> i know yeah. that again we could we could yeah. do whole shows on just any one of these sure. questions but
3: yeah that no and there's so much i just want to keep saying yeah jump into what when i hear you talking and theo and darren i had some like uh-huh i'm nodding my head so yeah the olympic village i think one of the things that stands out to me is that we sat down and we were like shown the history of usa swimming and you talk about the expectation, the expectation was to win. I mean, there's, and you don't realize how hard, because to make the team in the US is so difficult that just making the team, the depth, right, when we could bring more swimmers and probably win more medals or dominate at least the finals, so the depth is there. So making it, you your whole focus is really on that, that then you have this window of, okay, training camp and now refocusing to the Olympics, and um, yeah, you, t- you get there. and. I think, again, I, I wasn't as fortunate as Theo actually to have sports psych on board because I also had a meltdown, I mean, two days before I'm supposed to swim. And I just shared recent, you know, 2018 on my journey of speaking and sharing this message that we all struggle, that all of us have mental health, that this is like part, we, you know, trying to shift this conversation. So I shared my log books because here's someone you see me in this podium moment, you see me perform. And I had swam, you know, although I didn't qualify to swim the individual event, I posted the fastest time for US, you know, American swimmer that year um, and lead off, win this relay. So you see that story and then, you know, to see the my journal entries. So I, I found those in 2016, watching Rio, my girls, my, my daughters had me unbox my stuff that I'd still, P.S., had shoved away. So, right, 2016 years later. And I opened and read those words, and that gave me direct insight into what was happening in the village. So I had written down and journaled every day. And what I found fascinating is I had two journals. One was for that, like, positive inner inner voice, the inner coach and encourager. And then the other was where I dumped all my inner critic thoughts. And so I, you know, the, the village itself, so it was like this dual experience for me of being able to sit on a bus with all these athletes from all over the world and then go to the, you know, dining hall. And that being immersed in that was like bigger and wilder than my dream. That was the part you didn't know was so cool until you actually got to experience it. And then when I was alone with myself, right, when I was alone with myself away from everyone, I thought, and I know for sure now, because I've had conversations with my teammates from then, Michael was one of them, that I was not the only one suffering silently, yet I was, all of us were silent suffering silently not knowing that the other was in pain so that experience yeah i mean uh, you can tell me which direction you want me to go but overall
1: no that's it's the insight is incredible because the suffering and silence piece as we now you know project it onto or or make analogous what was going on with simone and and the individual performers there yes this was happening in the team competition but there's a piece of gymnastics, which is fascinating, which is you're competing as a team. And yes, there's an individual later on, but there's a little bit like I always notice with with gymnasts. It's such an interesting interpersonal relationship because it's like you're cheering for each other and then like someone comes off the mat and you're like, well, that gives me a little bit of a chance to get in there and be able to get that, you know. So so, yeah. it, it, it's almost like camaraderie with competition at the same time. But the reason why I wanted everyone to hear that, Sam, is it's so telling. It's it it backs Darren's point, which is Simone has looked like a superwoman, right? Samantha Arsenal is is part of the the team that's going to bring home gold. She's superwoman. Meanwhile, you're writing in your journal that i'm having a breakdown right now this is so much to, to take in right and the, the 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 for for people who are watching the olympics and you know what i've heard a lot of people say is they think that the reason why there's so much negativity at least one of the reasons why there's so much negativity towards this quote decision that they're claiming is because almost like there's an expectation that these athletes owe something to our country right that that because they were selected This is you know, this is a a, a crowning moment, a crowning achievement, but but they are superwoman, they are superman, and they they can only be perfect, right? And and there's
3: I wanna jump in here because it's like I wrote about I call it the superhuman effect. So here's what happened for me as a young kid. So to take you you had me draw on that experience of being younger. I remember walking into my first nationals and seeing Jenny Thompson, who is, you know, she's one of the most accomplished female Olympians of for USA, right? She's a local New England girl, and I grew up admiring her. Ended up being teammates with her on the the relay. But when I walked in my first national, she was superhuman to me. I put her on a pedestal, and I swam so poorly at that meet and he let me fail, right? I mean, I was running around getting autographs from these superhuman people who had swam. They were like literally on my walls as a child, right? Pictures from Swimming World. He he said to me, if you don't believe that you're, like if you're one of them, then you're never going to be able to beat them. These are the people that you have to race to, to win. So there was this internal shifting of, oh, they're just like me, they're human. And then you go on trips with them and you realize, oh, they're human. And then when I won the gold medal, there was this expectation that you are superhuman. And that's when I felt like I couldn't feel, I couldn't fall, I couldn't show any of this weakness because weakness, see that, right? Comes out. It's like, I can't show you any of that. I can't show you that I'm struggling because who the hell am I to struggle? I just want the gold medal. I don't like well, I don't have any reason to complain. My life's great. And so it sends you so that I I describe that is a superhuman trap, that othering, right, that we do. And we do it all the time. And so that that dehumanization, really, even though we don't.
1: And and by the way, Sam, again, you're bringing up so much interesting stuff as you're sharing what your personal experience was, because you're talking about what the expectations were after you won gold as well. Let's not forget what did Simone do in the last Olympics? Right. (laughs) Right. So. So where do you go from there?
0: She set the bar pretty high for herself,
1: right? <laughs> something we talk about with Tiger Woods all the time. Like he's the best golfer in the world. Where does he go from there? Granted, he's chasing, you know, some some pretty high high uh, impact people in the golf world. But but when we when we've achieved something really high, it's like whoa. The expectation is that performance level is always going to be there, whether you get older, <laughs> whether you get injured, whether you're dealing with mental health. Right. So so let's go into You know, again, I think it was interesting because Darren, when he was sharing the take on what happened, his mind went to, understandably so, as most people did, what he saw in the finals of the team competition, which was after that first event with the vault, where you see her in the air and she's trying to do a two and a half spin. That's my layman's term (laughs) for it. Uh, And it's only able to do one and a half. Her head is literally, if you watch the video, turned to the right Okay. She's look she you could tell she's not focused on anything. And just because of sheer, I would call it athleticism and then having been in that those moments before, even with only doing one and a half and not even knowing where she was in the air, she still somehow kind of like lands in the squat position and doesn't actually fall, but 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 lands on her feet, right? She did stumble forward, but she but she actually landed. Now let's take a step back to the qualifiers, which were on Sunday. Yeah. yeah.
2: Eric, isn't that funny that if she didn't land and she tore her, ACL, we wouldn't be discussing anything. There would be nothing to discuss. Well, because people would okay. because if she, people would be like, oh, she tore her ACL. No, I'm just saying, yes. we oh, would if not it was have a physical injury, then yes. analyze right, and we have not analyzed, and then we would have maybe never known about the mental.
1: Yes, that that's a great point. If if she had landed and tears her ACL or or breaks her ankle. You know, we'll get to the Kerry Scrug example in a second. But there's a piece to this that I watched on Sunday because I saw in the floor routine Simone Biles make errors that I've never seen before. Right. You see oftentimes, again, I'm not a I'm not <laughs> I'm not very technically savvy when it comes to describing the gymnastics, but um on the floor routine, you'll oftentimes see an extra step that a gymnast makes and they step just out of bounds she literally lost herself in the air and when she landed she landed not only taking a step out of bounds she flew off of the mat and had to step back onto the mat then in bounds right um it happened on the beam as well and i'm watching that and so people who are skeptics are saying oh she didn't perform well in the qualifiers that's why when she came to the finals now That's why she decided to pull out, because she was embarrassed, because she didn't live up to the expectations before, because it didn't make her look good. I, as someone, now I'm gonna give a quick personal story, I shared this on social media. When I was a chief revenue officer with the Florida Panthers, and this all went down with me, I went one day from running a staff, having presentations I had to give in front of fans in a suite at a game that night, um, having to wrap up the office, to the next day, not being able to get out of bed, being agoraphobic. And and I remember this very specifically because my mother was visiting because she was excited. It was early in the season. She asked me to order something on the phone from a restaurant and I couldn't read the menu and couldn't get myself to understand what was on the menu and actually have a conversation with these people that I was ordering from. That's how messed up my brain was, okay? And I've also described that when I go through dips, even to this day, because trauma has impacted me over time though i do exercises now and have gotten myself to a much better place there's some physical feeling so and this is this is clarifying darren's point it's not so much a panic attack or an anxiety i think some people think well that's what mental health is because it fits in this category it's the change in the neurobiology it's the tightening of the vagus nerves it's the inflammation of the cells it's the changes in the way in the hormones are released in the body that some of the symptoms that I feel like I'll be typing, just doing regular work, and I'm a lefty, so I don't know why it happens to my right side, maybe it's because that's the side I use less, but I feel that side being slower than the, the right side than my left side. Or if I'm gesturing with my hands as I'm talking, I feel stronger with my left hand, and my right hand kind of feels like it's just floating and kind of like out there. Or if I'm on stage and I'm presenting and there's a, there's been a ton of stress that I've been going through, the room will feel like it's moving or it's spinning a little bit. So now take those symptoms that I just described. Take how precipitous my decline was. Now put it into watching someone like a Simone Biles, who we've seen as a superwoman, in the qualifiers and the mistakes that we saw her make. Are those mistakes because she wasn't technically sound? Or are those mistakes because the mental health and how her neuro- neurobiology started to be affected was starting to creep its ugly head at that point. And are you, do you, do you guys agree with me on that? Do you see 100%, how no.
0: Hundred this, this yeah, my story, my story where I just tipped over at the face off dot. Yes. Same thing. Right. You know, and, and, and Eric, I, I feel the same things that you do almost daily yep. where I'll just be walking along and then all of a sudden, you're like what the hell's going on here? you know what i mean it's like
1: you can only laugh i'm laughing not because i'm you know i'm I'm well, sympathizing with you yeah, yeah
0: absolutely and and uh you know like this space needs so much compassion and so much empathy and so much more understanding and that's why you know uh those of us who understand the daily uh sort of ritual of living with mental health challenges, that's why we have a lot of compassion and empathy for Simone, right? Because we've been there. Like, you know, I've been there, I don't know how many times in my professional career, you know, and when you play hockey for Canada at the Olympics, you're not there to win silver or bronze. Like you're there to win the gold medal. If you don't win the gold medal, it's a disappointment. Right, so you know, there's so much layers of of st- stress, and we all know that when we're under stress, what do we produce? Cortisol. Cortisol is like acid in our body; it starts to eat away at our nervous system. You know, so look at Simone Biles's life. Yeah, she's an unbelievably talented athlete who had layers and layers of trauma that she never talked about so it just so happened wrong place wrong time where all of this stuff just sort of you know she had a malfunction it's like you know my computer my computer goes down what do i do i got, got a call right? and why does
1: your computer go down because sometimes there's too many windows open yes. right and there's too and there's too much processing going on so yeah. when you say wrong place or wrong time yes theo but on top of that the wrong place, wrong time. A big piece of it is what Sam spoke about, which is, and what you spoke about also: a big stage, big expectations. Uh, the reminder I'm I'm competing for an organization that you know didn't defend me the right way. Um, there's no one else in the stands right now, so the focus is really on me. And so that change in the, in the neurobiology starts to happen. And here's where I think the fascinating thing is, because Theo, you talk about almost falling out on the ice. But then you come back. I've shared with you as a basketball player, one of my favorite things about being a basketball player, still to this day, even weekend warrior ways, is basketball is the type of sport where it's not necessarily about the most talented person all the time in terms of technical skill. I can get out there and I can just work my ass off and dive on the the floor for loose balls and out-hustle someone for rebounds. And if my hand-eye coordination is not great, yeah, maybe I don't play as well in that aspect of the game, but I can still dominate a game based on just sheer will, right? And so you look at some of the best examples you know in sports history of people quote pushing through the one that always comes to mind is willis reed you know he he tears his uh i think it was his hamstring or or quadricep um or his hip i forget which part of his leg it was um in game five against the lakers doesn't play in game six obviously they're playing against will chamberlain at the garden so that's a big deal and he comes out of the tunnel and he plays By the way, parts of the story that people don't remember is he did score the first two baskets. He didn't score the whole rest of the game. This is one of the guys who was scoring double digits consistently throughout the playoffs. He only played, I think it was 27 minutes out of a 48 minute game. Okay. Another piece of the story that people don't remember, but in a game, in a sport like basketball in a sport, even like hockey, maybe even Sam, you could kind of chime in on this in a sport like swimming. There is a piece of sheer will when you can say, I can push myself through this despite the fact that spatially things feel off, motor skills-wise feel things, things feel off. When you're doing flips in the air, when you're landing off of a beam that is only four inches wide, I don't even think it's self-preservation of like, I don't want to hurt myself. I think it's literally the brain is like, I can't do this right now. And you saw that resignation in her the same way I'm describing what happened to me in that after going, being in the office to then waking up the next day and not being able to actually speak on the phone about the menu, the brain sometimes just doesn't let you do those things. And and, and is it fair? Sam, you could talk a little bit about, about you know, because I'm sure, Theo, you've got examples of how you did, quote, push well. through.
0: Let's just take a look at Darren's story at the Olympics, yeah. right? You know, it's it's the same,
2: like, the themes. Yeah. You're
1: Simone Biles, Darren. <laughs> You're the Simone Biles of reporting.
2: Yeah, exactly. I got TV from 3 a.m. to 3 p.m., and I got to do it for 25 straight days, and I just had everything built up to where I had the explosion at the Olympics. So it's amazing even to think I was thinking about the same thing, Theo, that – A lot of people, and I I talk a lot about the outsiders, don't give credit to the understanding of build-up, what build-up means and how much credit, for lack of a better word, you have to give to the build-up of the moment because it's sitting there, and sitting there. I just didn't have a, a breakdown at the Olympics. I had a breakdown at the Olympics because of the pressure and everything going in, and it was built up, and I didn't take care of myself mentally.
1: Josh Lewin talked about that, Darren, if you remember. You know, Josh Lewin's a longtime broadcaster, Mets, uh, Astros, Red Sox, does it for UCLA right now. And he's so smooth on the radio, right? Like, you know, you hear him talking, he's doing the play by play. And he said he's just in the middle of his broadcast. And all of a sudden his brain goes, oh, my God, uh, I don't remember what to say right now. Like, I'm blank. And. That same blankness, I think we have to start educating society to understand that that blankness that can happen, and everyone has felt it at some point, everyone has been up on stage at a certain point where what Theo talks about with the cortisol levels taken over, Um, where, you know, why is public speaking one of the biggest fears in the world, right? And those happen momentarily for people, but I think what we're trying to describe here is, this isn't just a momentary thing, this is the accumulation of this stuff that then leads to a similar type of feeling, but then that feeling is a long-lasting feeling where when people were asking, oh, well, is Simone gonna come back now and compete in the the individuals, then it shows that she really, she did quit on her team, no. What, what it shows is our neurobiology, hopefully if we have someone there who can help us with the exercises, with the practices, and by the way, things that we can't control, our chemistry, our biology, agrees with us and allows it to get to this place, maybe there's a chance she can rehab the same way, you know, you, you, you hurt, you, you turn your ankle and you have to rest on it for three days and do some ice and stim. You can get back in a couple of days. We don't know with mental health. That's the thing. It's the same thing like it, you could you could put projections all those things you want. And I think people look at that and they say, well, if she did compete, uh, in the individual, well, okay, then she's lying. And I don't think that would have been the case at all. Now, by the way, we're talking right now, guys, and she hasn't competed in the individuals. So let's consider that now. And and, and even the people who, you know, Sam, I think, well, both of you will have a really interesting take on this because you talked about the pride of competing for your country. For the people who don't even understand mental health, and what we're talking about, to say that she chose to bail on her team to 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 train for not four years in this case now, five years, okay? And to be on that stage and have a chance to win and have a chance to be in Olympic lore where you're not only arguably the best gymnast of all time, you are the best gymnast of all time based on the records that you've won and the medals that you've collected. Do people think that she actually wanted to pull out because... She didn't like her performance. I mean, it's mind boggling to me that people would even think that that's a possibility.
3: Well, it's an easy story. So that's an easy, yeah. I mean, I think when I, you put words, so I, I sat all day, you know, I woke up to the news that she, she had pulled and the whole day I was triggered. I was like t- trying to sift through my own stuff. And I felt this obligation because I'm a mental health activist. And I'm totally in this space. People, you know, texting me, reaching out to me saying, what are your thoughts? and I gave myself permission to just sit back and witness and you know I I ended up sharing my thoughts about you know what you know just I can't speak to her experience and just kinda writing writing a long post and then the next day you shared and you nailed exactly what was really really the underpinning of what was what was getting me and it was that she could have tried harder that that there was actually some level of control when it comes to this navigating mental illness and when we get hit and i think for me in my trauma recovery i spent years the first few years of doing the healing work beating myself up and getting so angry that i'd get triggered that i'd stay down longer and so then to see people make the assumption and say things you know not directly that she could have just tried harder or she chose this but that the the language they were using was that um, you know was in alignment with the assumption that she could have chosen a different time, or you know, a lot of people saying she should have let somebody else go ahead of her, right?
1: That's the one I'm yeah. hearing most frequently, yeah. Sam. Like people are saying, well, if she knew she had mental health complications, she should have just let someone else uh, uh have her place. Yeah. That's not how like I, I almost want to like ju- I told you to jump jump through the screen, right? But and like that you. is not how mental health works. You don't get to oh. choose, and I think. The, 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 the next post that I put up the next day, Sam, was a lot of the misconception is because of the messages that have been put out there about what mental health is. Oh, it's one in five people who are mentally ill, right? We talk about that, that uh, campaign all the time. So what this makes people think is, okay, Simone either has or doesn't have depression or anxiety, one of those two things. And so because she didn't have it, she's now making it up that she has this thing when she's in the Olympics because she doesn't like how she performed. That is not how it happens. It is like the ankle that you keep injuring over and over and eventually the ankle gets so swollen and so sore, you can't play it on anymore. Think about that in terms of the connection, the brain-body connection. That's continuing to happen as the trauma builds over time. And so it's infuriating to hear people say, well, she should have let someone else go. She is a competitor. She wanted to win not only for herself. She wanted to win for her teammates. She wanted to win for the country. Make no mistake about it. All those things were there. Now, a piece that I think we could really talk about also is people who call her selfish. Ah, I think she was being selfless. Mm -hmm. And I saw the way that she was talking to her teammates and trying to hype them up. And people might say, oh, that was all a show. That, That was a young woman who knew she didn't have what it took to continue because the brain body connection wasn't there and she was trying to tell her teammates you've trained for this you've prepared for this i've i've and and she even like she took she gave them permission because she said to them i've won medals i've been to the olympics before don't feel bad for me because she didn't want to add to their own pressure, stress, and trauma. And that was a beautiful thing to watch. And so for people who have faced mental health challenges to a greater degree, they watched that and they said, yes, yes, yes. That's an amazing selfless thing to do. And instead, other people who wanted to – and I think, by the way, part of – let's let's be honest. The Clay Travis's of the world, the the, the Piers Morgan's of the world, or just the everyday
0: Triggered. Triggered of their own shit, their own shit. You know, what I, I can tell you that I spent my whole life as you know, the smallest guy trying to achieve the biggest things, so I was invincible. Okay, about can't remember what year it was, I'm thinking '98, I had my first. Massive panic attack and the season was still going on and I can tell you that I've never been the same since that that panic attack. Never been the same. It's been a daily struggle all the time trying to find the right formula, the right mixture, you know, to feel the way I did before that first panic attack happened. So. You know,
1: and for and and Theo, for people to understand that, and tell me if I'm putting I I do this a lot, but because you and I seem to have the same mind, it's not that the panic attack caused then all these things moving forward. I think the panic attack was the result of all these other things that it built, it was one of the things it was. Uh, an alert to your system, holy shit, we're overloaded. And because of the overload over time, that's what you've been working your way out of and working towards healing with. And what, you know, the point I was making, I've
0: had moments of normalcy, right. Or whatever, whatever we want to call normalcy, but it's been a daily struggle, you know? And, and, uh, um, so I, I know where Simone is at because, She's never gonna be the same. I, I can guarantee you that
1: but she'll gain perspective. This of is course. this is the the three of us, of three she of us did. being it. It. she already had it because she but was she... even continuing. And yeah. I think that's why the, the 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 four of us actually on this call, it's we feel so strongly about this and we're so passionate about this because while we are on our own healing journeys, and the story that I always tell with Theo, where someone said. So you're going to be in therapy the rest of your life and see Theo in his deep voice said, I'm going to be in therapy the rest of my life and I'm perfectly okay with it. That's how we all should be because we all go through shit and there's no difference than going to the gym for your brain. Like there is gym for your body, but you know, what we've gained in perspective by facing those challenging events has made life better in many ways. And I just, I, the Theo, I, I wanted to make sure to make that point because I didn't want people to think that your point was, Life sucks right now. Simone's never gonna be well, the same. That she's I've accepted, miserable.
0: I have yep. accepted the fact that this is what the rest of my life looks like. Yeah, I've accepted it. That so some look days, how much
1: you're helping people, and look how days, look.
0: yeah, some days are gonna be this, some days are gonna be this, but I've accepted that this is this is it, right? Because of if you look at my trauma history, you look at my physical trauma history you look at all that yeah of course i'm going to be a little bit messed up right but i didn't accept it because i'm wired to win so i thought that i could like destroy mental health no 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 no. just accept it find ways to live with it and on the other end help other people we're going through the same stuff as you because there's so much healing in the helping piece because, you know, we have mirror neurons in our head and we go, I, in your eyes, I see myself as, and I'm either at the same place as you, or it's a reminder of where I used to be. And so I can give myself a break saying, wow, I am getting better. Will I get to the end goal? I don't know. But I'm certainly going to keep trying.
1: Yep. You know, And I think that's the beautiful thing, Samantha, right? Like is, is you, you're never the same, right? As you go through these traumas and they impact your central nervous system, you rehab them back, you get them to the better places. But I think life becomes more beautiful in some ways because of the challenges you've been able to overcome. And because of the way, as Theo said, helping is healing. So you're feeling like, why are we all on this call? Because it feels good to help other people. That, that that's something that we might not have had had we not been through what we've been through this passion to be able to give this way like who else gets together on a weekend it's like sure let's just dedicate an hour and just yap and talk about this stuff right like well, you're that, laughing right but, but yeah, that's the reason so why true. You
3: know, and you're reminding me oops sorry.
0: Go ahead. there are no coincidences no you know. yeah this the-
3: what you said about suffering, like all of it, this the, we could pull on each of these threads, really, of, of all, all, the, all of what we talked about a little deeper. The suffering, that acceptance, and then the, you know, for me, understanding of the neuroplasticity and be, being able to build new pathways and then being able to go back and honor, like, there has been so much healing for me in going back to honor and hold that 18-year-old self and the 15-year-old self that experienced abuse. And so that part, um, what I now know is that what I was seeking and driving for, you know, there's the, again, the split, that split self almost, right? I still love hard work because it feels good. And I love digging in and I love setting goals. And that part is pure. That's just intrinsic. And then there was this part of me that because of the abuse and because of the trauma, I was seeking that inner peace from the top of the podium. I was really I really believed, though I couldn't articulate it at the time, that if I got there, then I would feel enough.
1: I'm, right? I'm, I'm smiling, Sam, yeah. because last week we had Reggie Walker on, NFL yeah. player, to talk about the Richard Sherman situation. Mm-hmm. You literally are finishing each other's sentences because yeah. he said, I deal with this trauma and actually sexual abuse himself mm-hmm. growing up. And my thought is, if I become an NFL player, then mm-hmm. I'll be happy. Oh,
3: yes. And that... that so that part, what Simone in her tweet around, I finally, I don't know the exact words, but it was that she's starting to believe she's more than her accomplishments. And that is so critical. And I think that that, if we can continue to remember that, and that's the part that our culture wants to reject because we want to keep promoting this equation that if you work hard and you just do what people say to do, then you'll get the outcome that you want. And and what we're not talking about is like that. They want that outcome. Why do they want that outcome? Is it because they want to feel this inner peace? Is it is that what they're going for? Because you can never, there's nothing out there that will ever bring you that. If, and yeah.
0: If you told me that I was going to feel like this at the end of my career, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, because the quality of my life mm-hmm. is way more important than winning gold medals and mm-hmm stanley cups and world juniors and all that if somebody said you're going to feel like this at the end no way uh-uh.
3: and, and i think you're speaking directly to coaches fears so in the work i do it's really in the protective proactive space of let's stack let's help them get strategies skills tools of course get abuse out of sport like let's shift the culture but helping to provide language and skill sets so that you can experience a path of achieving greatness and getting to the top, but you're not. What you're looking for at the top isn't actually that inner peace. You're. It's just the icing on the cake. It's the journey, right? And so I think that so many coaches are afraid to even move in the direction of having this conversation because they're so afraid that everyone's going to quit and they're not going to. They're you know they're they're not going to want to do it anymore because if we go here, everything's going to implode. And I think that we there's a path forward. I think using our knowledge and being able to tap into the collective of all of us who navigate this to say, what would you do different? What would you have given, you know, what could you have done or provided? And can we, in some capacity, pay that forward so that we can create a different way? Um, so yeah, that's. And,
1: and, and valuing. Every coach
0: knew that I was angry and full of rage. So they coached me that way. They coach, they go, let's get this guy as pissed off as we possibly can. When he's there, he's in the zone,
3: right? And where's the human being? Where's the care about the human being that they're But, but I'll also share this because, Sam,
1: you work with coaches. Yeah. That was a way to motivate Theo's productivity to be the best. Coaches, I want coaches to realize and hear someone like Sam who works with coaches on a daily basis, someone like us who go around and work with college coaches on the D1 level, There's ways to motivate players. There's ways to help them release and rewire out the shit that's been inside of them that improves performance that does and and makes performance even better than what Theo's describing of the crack the whip, crack the whip, crap the whip of, of getting the play better. That's what we have to get to in terms of educating our coaches, educating even our parents, right? Who, who want their kids to be the best is understanding instead of saying things like, and Sam, you and I have had this conversation one-on-one, instead of things that saying things like, you know, time heals all wounds or forget the last play and move on to the next one, which are these cliches. that coaches use yeah. <laughs> Just relax. Just, just, just relax, right? <laughs> or, or Theo's favorite one is, you know, Take the aspirin and put the Band-Aid, uh, you know, uh, tape, tape the aspirin to you. It'll yeah. feel better, right? We you see um, a
0: concuss, they used to tape an aspirin to our forehead <laughs> and tell us to get back out there.
1: It, but, but but, we're not – as like, as that's why it's important having a little bit of a background in a competitive space because when we talk to office managers, when we talk to coaches, when we talk to anyone in a leadership position, we're not asking you to forego productivity. We're asking you to look at it another way as to how we can help your employees, how we can help your athletes, how we can help your children, even for that matter. When we're talking to parents perform better because there's a healthier way to be able to perform in the sport as opposed to what we're currently doing.
0: Abuse, Abuse doesn't get you. It may get you to the highest level. But what it leaves behind, that footprint that it leaves behind, is, you know, there's thousands and thousands of stories of former athletes who are all struggling now because of because of verbal, emotional abuse, you know, through the through the whole entire process, right? And so
1: and feel like yes, like the you know you hear terms like Bronco Nagurski, right? Like all these like old time football players and stuff like that, and like even like an Eddie George right now, right? Who's like body was just put through the ringer, and I respect that. You know, people look at that and say, well, that athlete has gotten that to that point. But I also want to like in the moment feel like as we're coaching these athletes, forget about for for a second the long term is those of us who understand the brain and the brain body connection can help you with your athletes, with your employees to perform better not doing that way, even if you're not, even if you are the person who isn't concerned with how healthy that person is three years after they're on your team or work for you in your office, we can help you get them to to perform better by understanding the brain better. And, and
0: well, can you imagine giving giving kids a toolbox, a mental health toolbox? Can you imagine how much better? they're going to be, it's just,
3: You're, this is like, we could go, we, you want to keep going? You have more hours. This is exactly, I feel so passionate about this. I mean, and just to get into the nitty gritty for a minute, when you look at flow state, like you look at peak performance and then you look at the work and the body of work, Chris, Kristen Knapp, who who studies self-compassion down at university of Texas, you, that we have that, line that the inner critic is my edge has got to die. That needs to burn. That needs to go away because what we know is that you can access flow state. Like you have to have the emotional regulation, right? You have to have that attentional regulation and ability. Like all of that is so critical. So I say, yeah, we achieved this much. How much more can we achieve? We don't know. So we use these stories of people who push through, but it's like, okay, what could they have done?
1: And I like, I like talking in X's O's, right? Because sometimes when people hear flow state, Sam, if they're not right, so, so a good way to, 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 to close this based on using your expertise is for people to think about it this way. When Theo is saying, you know, well, the, the coach was cracking the whip so that I had the edge. Okay. So you might look at that hockey player on the ice or the basketball player on the court and you might say. They're running around for every loose puck or skating around for every loose pucker or, or running around for every loose ball and they're grabbing every rebound. But what flow state is, is they're seeing the basket clear and they're going to be able to hit more shots. They're able to see a play open up before someone else can and have a split second advantage over someone else who's defending them to be able to open up the guy to score a goal. Um, those neural connections... And that ability to be in the moment where it kind of best person I can probably use as an example who had it naturally was Jason Kidd. If you watch him on the court, he would see plays happen before anyone else would. Imagine being able to help your players, your office staff get into that flow state of under. Hey, you know what? I work with Theo. I know in this particular project, Theo is going to answer this question in this way so I can prepare because I know his question is going to come that way. So it's not just a sports thing. And so it's, it's beautiful because it's, it, you know, the work that we do is, is, is education, it's convincing, it's advocacy. Um, uh, Theo, what was the word that was used for you? Instead of advocate, you were told you were what? <laughs> do you remember? What was that? An activist. An activist. Um, whatever words you want to use for the stuff that we do. Activist is used
0: for those of us who are still angry.
3: <laughs> I had someone say that to me, too. They were feeling my anger then. That's funny. But I, there's so much to be, like we, right, we, when we lean in with the anger. And I think that that, when you said it's they're triggered, right, speaking of the people who are just reacting to this, this is a moment for us, all of us, r- regardless of what you've said so far about what you think about Simone's decision, it is a time for all of us to pause and to see what's happening in us, what is stirring in us. What is what am i angry about what is you know and and so i think there's so much to learn when we're when we allow ourselves to pause
0: but and, but honestly how many people can self-reflect yeah like less than one percent
3: <laughs> oh i'm hopeful
0: right I might be a bit no, of an optimist, that's what yeah. i'm saying that's where we got to get to yeah.
1: right and, and we, the only
0: way you're, you're going to get there is by doing the or uh using these mental health tools that are out there like this this little machine that i had on while i was listening to the thing my alpha stem like it's my it's my lifeline this is my lifeline when shit's hitting the fan i put this thing on and i'm like oh, okay thank you you know
1: and that, that's why when these stories hit the news mm-hmm. we need there to be key takeaways from them because what we just discussed in a, a little over an hour as we end up here is a lot this is a lot for people to take in right so if 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 tell me if you guys agree with this if i had one thing i hope people will take from the simone biles thing and and this is not to diminish all the other important themes but just as it pertains to mental health education i would like people to understand that we don't choose when our mental health flares up and and if and if and and if people understood that we are all susceptible to those flare ups and that they can happen at any time, that's where compassion will come from. And by the way, that's where people will be proactive themselves in terms of wanting to build resiliency and wanting to not have those things happen to them as frequently. So unbelievable hour plus, um, Samantha, people can find you at right? uh, s <laughs> l um, i v i n g s t n, right? My my brain remembers this from seeing it so many times on Instagram, um, but but you'll see Samantha on all the stuff that we're doing with same here profiles as we're doing more events. She does a lot with her own coaching and with um, mental health first aid. So look her up, reach out to her, and on behalf of our buddy Darren, who was driving from a memorabilia show in Chicago as he was on with us, Theo Fleury, our guest Samantha, Arsenal, Livingstone. This is Eric Houston. Thank you for listening to another episode of, we're all a little crazy and we will speak with you next week. Thanks. You just heard. We're all a little crazy brought to you by the hashtag scene here, global mental health movement and the hockey podcast network.